If you're a dad who feels like you do not have a good grasp on your time and your schedule, whether that be with your kids, your work, your family, your rest, any of that, today's episode is going to be really helpful for you as we cover the seven principles for being purposeful, present, and wildly productive. It's a really great gospel-centered interview that's going to help you manage your time better. Also, I want to remind you, if you didn't listen to last week's episode where we sat down with Pastor Ray Ortland and we talk about the death of porn, it's such a good interview. I'd highly recommend that you go back and listen to that. Uh, he also has a book out called The Death of Porn that is also really, really good. Check it out. Most of the time when we are thinking about the issue uh, and the topic of pornography, we often come to that conversation with a ton of shame. And so I just want to remind you guys that the gospel, the good news of Jesus is going to free you of shame and allow you to overcome any addiction or habit you might have around the topic of pornography. Go pick up a copy of The Death of Porn. It's a great book. You can actually get 30% off and a free copy of the ebook directly from Crossway when you go to crossway.org forward slash plus. Again, that's crossway.org forward slash plus. Before we dive into today's episode, I do want to thank my friends over at Hyatt Health for making it possible. I know some of you dads listening may not be giving too much thought about the vitamins that your kids are taking, or maybe you just leave it up to your wife to make those decisions, but I want to challenge you to give this some thought. Hyatt Health was actually started by two dads who realized the vitamins they were giving their kids were essentially sugar-filled candy in disguise, so they decided to do something about it. Did you know that 93% of kids don't eat enough fruits and vegetables? And we all know that what kids eat instead are chicken fingers, mac and cheese, processed foods, ice cream, and more. And the vitamins that are supposed to fill in those nutritional gaps are based on out-of-date nutritional guidelines from the 1980s. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full body nourishment our kids need with a yummy taste they love. My kids absolutely love these vitamins. They're made from 12 farm fresh fruits and vegetables and supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals known to help support a healthy immune system, energy levels, brain function, mood, teeth, bones, and more. Most children's vitamins are filled with 5 grams of sugar and can cause a variety of health issues. Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes great and is perfect for picky eaters. It's non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else you can imagine. It's manufactured here in the United States with globally sourced ingredients, each selected for optimal bioavailability and absorption. We've worked out an exclusive offer with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Dad-tired listeners receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com forward slash dad tired or enter the code dad tired at checkout. That's H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash dad tired. HayaHealth.com slash dad tired and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Again, go to HayaHealth.com forward slash dad tired or enter the promo code dad tired at checkout. Jordan, so excited to have you on today, man. I stumbled across the title of your book, Redeeming yeah. Your Time, which by the way, that's a great wall of, uh, is that just like all, <laughs> let me tell you real quick what's going on in my brain here. Okay. So some people are going to be watching this on YouTube and they'll, this will make sense. Most people are going to be just listening to the audio version of this, but behind you, you have a top row of, of your new book that's coming out, which we're going to talk about, but Two rows are the second row under that, and the third and fourth row looks like all yellow and orange books. 
I'm yes. colorblind. So my brain is Are like, you really? Yeah, I'm like, okay. dude, what do you what is happening here? I'm going All right. So they are those say, all different colors? <laughs> they, they say that people who love yellow are crazy, which oh. makes sense, right? Like I'm a little yeah. crazy. So here's the deal. I a couple of years ago we were adopting our now baby girl, Emery. Awesome. And in the coffee shop across the street, it was these incredible, like I don't know, 30 foot ceilings okay. from top to bottom in blue books. Wow. And I was like, how did this happen? Did yeah. you paint books? I don't understand. <laughs> so of course, there's this like super smart company. All they do, it's called Books by the Foot. They go to thrift stores. They buy boxes of books. They rearrange them by color wow. and then sell them back to basically interior designers at an unbelievable markup. I'm like, this is brilliant. <laughs> and so uh, oh, I love yellow. My wife was like, I'm going to get you some yellow books for your birthday because you're crazy. And I'm like, yes, it's awesome. And then redeem your time. The cover's yellow. Yeah. I was like, this is perfect. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> what, what stuck out to me the most there is that somebody created a business off of colored books. And I'm just like, man, why did I not think of that? Gosh. In the wrong business. Yeah. In the wrong business. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you see behind me, but I, uh, I dad, do. Dad, we've got a yellow book. Some people, yep. so we've got couple of colors. We got a green one and yellow one. And uh, oftentimes when people refer to the book, they'll be like, oh, you know, the, your yellow one. So maybe that's awesome. Maybe, maybe I'll just send you a yellow book so you can add it to your <laughs> yellow. Collection. We'll swap yellow books. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Awesome, man. Well, so anyway, I got really ADD sidetracked there. Uh, <laughs> redeeming your time. I saw that and I'm like, okay, we have to have you on the show because most of our audience listening right now, a lot of young dads, some moms who sneak in here, we, if you're here, I know you want to be a fly on the wall, but I'm going to acknowledge you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> but a lot of young dads listening right now. And they're just like, dude, I, I can't even imagine having control of my time right now. Like I wake up early and I'm going to work or I'm working from home and my kids are needing me and my wife, I'm trying to be a good husband and I want to be involved at the church. And I just got like way too many things going on. The concept of having any kind of control over my time feels they're probably doing 10 other things as they listen to this podcast right now. <laughs> so tell us like, have you mastered time management, man? Like, have you, have you figured this out? And if you have gone on any direction towards feeling like you've made some headway there, can you give us some advice? Uh, I don't think on... anyone ever <laughs> masters this. Okay. Right? I do think by the grace of God, I've gotten really good at it. Yeah. I and I'll know say how. this. I wrote this in large part for dads. I'm in the same stage of life. I'm mm. 35 years old. I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, a almost two-year-old, and I'm in the craziest season yeah. of my career. I have three books coming out in the next 12 months. Wow. Rapidly growing podcasts. Like, yeah, it's a busy life. But by the grace of God, it's also an unhurried life, which mm. we can talk about. But mm -hmm. yeah, here's why I wrote this book. I, again, by the grace of God, have gotten pretty good. I've had a pretty productive five-year run. I've built a couple businesses that have created more than 100 jobs. I signed seven book deals all while I think maintaining a pretty healthy marriage. My mm. kids are growing in their love of Jesus. And somehow I managed to most nights, not all nights, get eight hours of sleep. But here's why I wrote this. Because I was so tired, Jared, of reading time management books that were based on what I would call workspace productivity, right? Mm. The, the message of so many time management books is, hey, busy, tired dad, you're feeling swamped. You're feeling overwhelmed. Follow the guru's system, do exercises X, Y, and Z, and then you will find peace. Man, as an apprentice to Jesus, I believe I already have peace. Mm. Romans 5.1 promises me, I have 
ultimate peace with God. And so this whole book is built around this idea of grace-based productivity, this Mm. idea that through Christ, I have peace. So I don't do time management exercises to get peace. I do them in response to the peace I've been given as an act of worship. So that was just a radically, I believe, a pretty different foundation for a book. Here's the second reason why I wrote it, man. Christian or not, I think it's pretty hard to argue with the fact that Jesus, the author of time, was the most productive person who ever walked the earth. Mm. And I've never read a time management book that accounted for how he walked. And I got to give credit to your fellow Portlandian, my friend, John Mark Comer here. John Mark's written a a lot about, listen, we read the gospels exclusively for their theology and their ethics. And we forget that they are biographies of the life of Christ. And so this whole book is about, all right, Let's look at the gospels as biographies. Can we see how the most purposeful, present, and productive person who ever lived, lived his life? And I think we can. And so I've extracted these seven timeless time management principles from the life of Christ and then map them to 32 hyper-practical practices that help hmm. us live out those principles in the 21st century. Well, let's try to cover some of those. Obviously, we don't have time to get into all of that. That's why everyone needs to go buy the book. But when most guys are thinking through time management and just like, not just time management, but a life of like peace that, that the yeah. foundation of our life is peace and everything comes. I love the way you said everything's kind of an act of worship out of that. But most guys who are really busy, their first thought isn't, okay, I need to figure out how to manage my time and my family, my work. So let me go to Jesus. Like most guys aren't thinking that those two things kind of feel separate. So let's dive into the person Jesus. Cause that's a really yeah. fascinating perspective that I've never heard. I've never heard anybody like put these two topics together. So let's dive into Jesus and like, what did you, when you were studying his life in through this lens, what yeah. kinds of things were you finding? Yeah. I'll just quickly rattle off the seven things. Yeah. Right? Hit the seven principles. Number one, principle number one, start with the word before. Start, did you say start with the word? Start, start, start with the word. Start with the, sorry, start with the word. The you word. know, more than sleep, more than food, more than time with his disciples, Jesus prioritized time with his father. And as I argue in the book, as hard as it is, as tired dads, trust me, I get it. This is the keystone habit that makes every other habit of time management easier and more effective. Principle number two, let your yes be yes. Jesus commanded this explicitly with his words. So many of us are setting big goals for our work and our lives, but we haven't managed the little things well. Hmm. We haven't managed all the yeses that we've already given. We don't have a comprehensive system to collect all of our yeses and our commitments, right? Principle number three, descent from the kingdom of noise. Hmm. When you look at the gospels, Jesus spent a crazy amount of time in lonely places, Mm. solitary places. And I'm convinced this is one of the keys to time management, even though it might not sound like it on the surface. Principle four, Jesus prioritized his yeses. He didn't say yes to everything. We got to figure out how to do the same thing. Principle five, accept your uni presence. You mentioned before, Mm. there's probably some dudes to listen to this right now listen to the podcast and trying to like draft a proposal for tomorrow's sales meeting, right? That's just not the way of Jesus. He was fully focused Mm. on one important thing or person at a time. He embraced his human uni presence. If we can make up words on a podcast, right? (laughs) Principle number six, we got to embrace productive rest. Sounds oxymoronic, but it's not. And then finally to give a nod to Dallas Willard and John Ortberg and John Mark Comer, we got to eliminate all hurry. We need to embrace busyness. And I think this is a really hard tension for busy dads to get right, right? Like busyness is good. We should have full schedules, full lives because we think we are here for a purpose. 
but we can never allow that busyness to cross over to hurry in a way that makes us angry mm. and anxious and frantic because that's the example we have in our redeemer and that's how we can redeem our time most effectively now, i wrote all of those down as you were saying that, because <laughs> okay. i'm like just personally i'm like okay i need to just do all of these things one of the things that I, I know you talk about in the book, and it probably goes to, let's see, the, the point where you said, descent from the kingdom of noise, which I love that phrase. One of the things I know you talk about in the book is you have stopped consuming news. Yeah. And I'm imagining that fits in that category. Like you're, totally. There's a lot of noise, yeah. especially yeah. in 2021. There's a lot of noise. And news is a big part of that noise we hear. I'm saying this because I had COVID. You had asked me before yeah. we hit record. I had COVID a couple of weeks ago and I found myself, I couldn't get the energy to get out of bed. So I'm just like stuck in bed for 10 plus days. So I'm just sitting there and the news is on. I just had like the news on constantly. Like I couldn't get in, like I wasn't cognitively aware enough to like put on a movie or a documentary or something. So I just had the news playing. And dude, I think it like psychologically messed me up, spiritually, like in all the ways, messed me up. Big 100%. Time. Yeah. By I the can't... way, you're not alone. Dude, there's so much data. There was a great study by Time Magazine that basically showed that we are inflicting ourselves with anxiety mm. by consuming so much. Yeah, news, I feel it. Yeah. Right? And dude, here's the deal. I was a news junkie. Mm. Uh, my first job out of college, I was running somebody's tech startup, which was a news aggregator, right? Okay. I was addicted to news for a long time. And then six years ago, I just quit cold turkey. I realized that number one, News was making me anxious. And number two, and I think more importantly, 99% of the news is totally useless to my life and my mm. work, right? Mm. So here's the crazy thing though. And, and I partially learned this from Tim Ferriss's helpful book, The 4-Hour Workweek, which I have some problems with, but this part I loved. When I stopped consuming the news, I found that I wasn't totally ignorant. My friends curate the news for me. Mm. I hear about everything that matters to me. I'm a huge Tim Keller fan, my mm -hmm. favorite author. When Keller tweeted that he had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, eight of my friends texted me the news within 10 minutes of it breaking. Wow. I live in Florida, right? So I got to hear about hurricanes. I hear about every hurricane. I hear about pandemics. I hear about race riots and media trends and rumors of every West Wing reunion because I'm a giant West Wing fan. Mm -hmm. And I hear about all of these things without having to spend a single moment on news services and social media. My friends curate it for me. So this is one of the 32 practices in the book that are connected to these seven principles. So the principle that we see in the life of Christ, descent from the kingdom of noise, I believe one way we can practice that in the 21st century is just letting our friends curate the news for us. Because here's the deal, most of your friends will voluntarily continue to feast at the all-you-can-eat information buffet, mm. and they're going to bring you back the banana bread pudding that you need. Right. Let them do it. Let them do it for you. You know what I love about that is you're hearing the news in the context of relationship and in yeah. conversation. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And so you have to like you have to start talking. And if it's coming from your friends, you have to start talking in the context of community. So yeah. not only am I just getting like really I mean, news is very one sided and it's very driven by all kinds of agendas. But to hear the news from your friend, now we're engaging in some kind of a relational space which is actually beautiful. And so it is it's kind of two, bir two birds with one stone there. I'm, I'm hearing the news. I'm staying caught up on what I guess is happening, but two, I'm, I'm doing it in the context of relationships. So mm -hmm. I love that, man. And in the book, you talk about the five enemies in the fight for depth at work and home. What are those yeah. five enemies? So first let's define depth really clearly, if you don't mind. Yeah. Jared, my friend, Cal Newport, 
wrote a terrific book called Deep Work years ago. I imagine a lot of your listeners have read this book. If not, go read it or just go read chapter five and forgive your time. Which okay. I told Cal, I was like, hey, buddy, I uh, summarized your book in 5,000 words. It's like, cool. No, great job. But, you know, Cal's definition of deep work is essentially, I'm not going to get it verbatim, but totally focused uninterrupted time focused on one big important project at a time at the office, right? I think that's great. But as a dad, I also want a deep life, not just deep work. I want to be go deep when I'm sitting in front of my laptop, but I also want to go deep when with my kids, right? And in order to do that, I've got to recognize and do battle with these five enemies of the deep life of death. You know, number one is the most obvious and the easiest to attack external distractions, mm-hmm. incoming messages, text messages, emails, whatever, right? But we also have to recognize there's four other, I think, internal enemies that are just can, important can, can to we, deal with. Yeah. So, sorry to interrupt you, but can no, we please. Can we hang on that one for a second? I know it's like really obvious. Let's park there. But, yeah. And then we'll hit those four, but the other four, because yeah. I know you talk about this specifically in the book too, is like I kind do. of eliminating the emails and the, the text, all that. Just for you practically, personally, yeah. like what, what do you do? in regards to the flood of people who are trying to get your attention throughout the day, text, emails, phone calls. I learned years ago that I had more control than I thought I did over when I responded to incoming messages. Hmm. And I think you have to believe that in order to live a deep life and do deep work and build deep relationships at home. And so, and listen, I've heard all the objections. I had all the objections before I started this practice. You know, people expect me to respond to their messages immediately, or I'm going to miss something urgent, or I need the VIPs in my life to get a hold of me all the time. So I built a system that's been working for me for almost a decade. And I've talked to plenty of people and it's working for them to take control over when they check their messages so they could do deep work and do deep work at the office and at home. So here are the steps real quick. Step one, choose when you're going to check messages every day. Hmm. It's the opposite of what most people do. Most people react when an email comes in, when a text message comes in, there's a notification and they respond. I think this is insane. Let me paint a picture of this real quick, Jared. Sorry, little sidebar. Imagine if the mailman, instead of delivering mail to your mailbox once a day, started getting parking his car at the curb, getting out of his car, coming up to your doorbell and ringing it 150 <laughs> times a day. Hmm. And it at least... You, you at least hear the doorbell ringing, right? right? But most of the times you get up, you go to the front door, you unlock it, you take the envelope. Sometimes you open it. Maybe you steal a glance at who the sender is. We would all agree that's certifiably insane, but that is, I would argue, precisely what we do mm. with email and text. So yeah. step one, just choose proactively when you're going to check messages, right? Mm. I was running a tech startup for years. It was growing 50% a quarter. I checked my email three times a day, 10 a.m., 1 p.m., 3 p.m. That's mm. it. That's step one. Step number two, build a list of VIPs that are going to have access to you at all times, not just those three to five times you check email and text a day. So my VIPs, my wife, my wife can get a hold of me whenever she wants. My assistant, my investors, when I was running that company, right? Build a list of VIPs, add them to the favorites list on your iPhone so that when your phone's undo it, disturb, they can reach you whenever they want. And then step three, real simply, Just go to the VIPs in your life and set crystal clear expectations about your response time. Mm. Send them a text message that says, hey guys, I've been really convicted of the need for depth and to be fully focused at home and at work. So because of that, I'm only checking email and text at this time, this time, this time. However, 
you're a VIP in my life. If you need me outside of those times, call me on my cell and I'll answer whenever I can. If you do those three steps, you'll eliminate 99% of the issues that people have with controlling when they respond to those incoming messages. Yeah. I had a mentor one time who he did those things that you just, you know, he lived out the things that you just said. And I remember him telling me like, Hey Jared, when we are together, like at any time, no matter where the conversation is, if my wife calls me, I'm going to answer the phone. So I just need you to know that ahead of time. And I was like, I wasn't even married at that time, but I was just blown away. It set such a cool standard for me to see. Like I could be crying, like sharing my deepest life. And his wife calls about like dinner that night. He's picking it up. It. You know, so. it. But because he's given that person, those VIPs in his life access, he can be at peace ignoring everybody else. Yeah. Right. And staying fully focused on you unless it's his wife or another VIP calling through. Right. Yep. Yep. And he also told me like, Hey, there are going to be times where I just won't answer. Like, you're going to call me. Like if, I, if I'm at home with my family, I'm home, man. And so it might feel like an emergency, but we'll, we'll hit it up to the next day. You know, like I'm going to be, I, uh, I just had this guy named Ronnie Andrews on my podcast. Ronnie's a CEO of a public company. Mm. I'm willing to bet he's busier than the majority of you listening to this episode. <laughs> and Ronnie said something that just like shook me. He's like, I turn my phone off. From yeah. Friday afternoon until Monday morning. Wow. I was like, Ronnie, you can't do that. You have investment <laughs> bankers calling you. I was like, Ronnie, how many times have you missed something urgent? Mm. Zero times. Mm. Zero times. We got to do the same thing, man. We've got to put these external distractions in their place. I'll tell you what, like I used to be really good at this at the office. And then I would come home and I would keep my phone in my person. And I'd be just taking my phone out of my pocket mindlessly checking text messages and Instagram. And I just got so convicted of this. So here's what I did to be a good tip for you guys. If you just want to do this at home, turn your cell phone into a landline for the few hours you spend with your kids every day. And the way you Mm. do this, go put it in a different room. Maybe you turn on silent like I do today, but even if you don't turn the ringer on so that VIPs can get a hold of you, but the temptation is gone to check cnn.com and instagram and text messages and email while you're with your kids you could be fully focused unless the phone rings and somebody needs you and effectively you've converted your phone into a landline for a few hours every day you know if i'm just honest man hearing that i'm like that sounds beautiful and that's one of the reasons i got a a watch the apple watch because you can't really do anything on it except like answer a call and some if it sometimes check email and it's not that easy to do but there is a part of me that even as you say, it feels hard. I haven't even done it, but I'm like, I was just thinking, when's the last time I turned off my phone? It was when I thought something was going wrong and I needed to reset it. <laughs> you know, like yeah. That's the last time yeah. I turned off my phone, but like kept yeah. it off. Yeah. I haven't done that in probably years. And I do think there, I was reading some other friend who's taken a, a 30 days break from social media. And they were talking about how the addiction is just so like most people don't realize how addicted they are. And even the fact that I feel anything at the thought of putting my phone away or turning it off, it's probably an indicator there's addiction there. And in some level, addiction to work and productivity and wanting to be in the know. And that's terrifying. I think part of it's a savior complex, right? Mm. This is one of those other five enemies of depth. I think we love to be needed. I think Mm -hmm. we love the very things we complain about. When we're at coffee with friends, we love complaining about how, I know because I am this guy sometimes, like, oh man, got so many emails, 
so many attacks. I'm so important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so mm-hmm. lame. Like mm-hmm. if we die tomorrow, the world goes on. Yeah. The Lord's work man, continues so to go on without us. God doesn't need you and I to so finish good. our to-do list. Man, so good. And that is, dude, to me, that's freeing. It's freeing. It enables me to rest. And most importantly, the people in my life, it enables me to be fully focused on them in yeah. the moment or my work in the moment. It enables me to, like Jesus, embrace that unipresence. It's a, you know, it's wild if you think about it. God is omnipresent. We believe this as Christians. But for 33 years in the person of Jesus Christ, he was confined to one place at a time. Mm. If Jesus during his ministry on earth couldn't be in more than one place at one time, who in the world are we to think that we can? It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, which is why he said it's better that he leaves to his disciples, right? So he can be with everyone at all exactly. times because he was limited exactly by right. that. He was limited by his uh, physical abilities to be at one place, one time, as beautiful as that is. Uh, you know, one thing I started to do during the, I just started this week, but I've done no screens at night. I've turned off TV and phone and all that stuff. And I actually like have started reading books again, like physical books. Yeah, you know, I used to listen to a lot of audio books. And again, yeah. that's all part of productivity. I want to do yeah. multiple things. That's Absolutely. Yeah. But just being fully present, like you can't take your yeah. eyes off of the book in order to consume it. And that's been, dude, I, I've been actually sleeping better. <laughs> like yeah. there's so many weird like thing. Anyway, let's hit the that's other four. I interrupted you. I think you uh, hit- so, no, you're fine. You're fine. All right. So external distractions. Yeah. Second enemy in our fight for depth is fake productivity. Mm. I think we got to be aware of this. It's easier to go to meetings all day. And check email all day than it is to sit your butt in a chair and write something great or yeah. make something great for your boss. I think we just got to be aware of that, right? Mm. Of our human tendency to take the easy path. Number three, the third enemy is quick highs, right? Mm. Social media, but not just social media. It's like crack stats on our phone. Whatever project it is you're working on. Oh man, how many units of this product did we sell today, right? Yeah. Or the quick high of email. There are unknown rewards every time we open up our email that we're really interested in. Number four, I already touched on Savior Complex. And then number five, I kind of already touched on this as well, our makeshift omnipresence. Yeah. Us fooling ourselves into believing that we can be in more than one place at a time mentally, right? It's yeah. just not possible. There's so much data. There's so much science behind this. We just got to be aware of that temptation and put it in its place. We have what's called a family leadership program. I always want guys to jump into this. It's one way that we try to help guys lead their family well, really practically. But one of the things we talk about on week one is essentially we move so much of our life reacting. We're constantly reacting and we start our day in reaction mode. We wake up. Oftentimes, a lot of us young dads are waking up to a child waking yeah. up. My, my daughter's getting up at four in the morning or five and want to crawl in bed and all this stuff. We're starting to the day reacting and then we move throughout the whole day. And that causes a ton of stress. I imagine, and so one of the things we do in the family leadership program is talk about what does it look like to develop a good morning routine, mm-hmm. to be proactive versus reactive, to spend time with the Lord early, mm-hmm. set kind of that precedent for the day. How much of your life now, after like 10 years, you said 10 yeah. years, so 10 years of trying to just practice this, how much do you feel like you're being proactive versus reactive? And then how do you do that? Yeah, I think 90% of my day is, is proactive. And that morning routine is so critical. My wife really experiences, I've been practicing this for a while. My wife finally started practicing it. She's like, Jordan, I am so much more or less anxious and angry throughout the day when I get up before the kids do. 100%. And yeah. just have some me time. And it's spot on. And now listen, like my five-year-old wakes up at 4.30 mm-hmm. every morning, right? Best investment I ever made was those little green lights. Yeah, they're amazing. Right? 
They're amazing. They're amazing. I'll put them in the show Stay notes for you guys. Room. Yeah, yeah. Green Stay in your room. Yeah. yeah, don't buy the book. Go buy this green light. Yeah, yeah. Stay in your room <laughs> until the light turns green, yep. right? And they respect that. They learn to obey that. And you know what I love about that too? Because most of the time when she's up, not, not at 4.30, but if she gets up at 5 or 5.15, I'm sitting down reading the word. I love when they come out of the room, see their dad mm-hmm. spending time with his dad, his heavenly yeah, father, right? And then saying, it's time for you to go back to your room so I can commune with the Lord. Say no to them. They're seeing me say no to them and say yes to the Lord. Uh, I love that they get to see that every day, man. Um, yeah, Jeff Bethke. Yeah, Jeff Bethke. Yeah. He, he does. Um, I can't remember if he had the like the green. Yeah, he must have some kind of like way for his kids to know that they're not allowed to leave. But he actually set up a little basket of books and Legos and stuff. So if you get wake up early, no problem. You know, you can get yeah. out of your crib or get out of your bed or whatever. But you got to stay in here. You can play yeah. quietly and do whatever you want to do before that light turns green. That's been a huge help for us. We use the the red light. And again, I'll put that in the show notes so guys can pick one up. But yeah, super super helpful. Okay. What does your morning routine look like? All right. So I wake up at five, make a cup of coffee, sit down. I'm in the word from five to six. And I've experimented with a lot of what time in the word looks like. You know, I think we can in the church get legalistic about quiet times, but yeah, I don't know if there's something I want to be legalistic about kind of okay with this being being the thing. But for me, what I found really kept me fully engaged mentally is Martin Luther's method of Bible study, which I love. Mm. Are you familiar with it, Jerry? No, no, no. Tell me. Yeah. So it's great. I learned this. I think it was in Tim Keller's book on prayer. So Luther would take a passage of scripture. He would read it. And then he would respond to it in prayer by writing out four things. Number one, what the passage was instructing mm-hmm. him to do, committing him to do. Number two, something about the passage that would lead him to praise God for something about his character, Mm. right? Number three, he would write out a confession Mm. in response to the command. And then number four, he would write out and ask for the Lord's help in living out that command. And then he would kind of move into just this open-ended time of prayer. Yeah. But I love that. And I find that that very simple framework keeps me real dialed in for that hour of time that I'm spending the word every morning. I love that. I love that too, man. So we actually just will release a Bible study journal, a dad tired Bible study journal. And it cool. has that. So it's, what does the scripture say? Basically, how do I need to respond? And then what do I need to do? To, how do I need to pray for myself and for my family? So I'll be getting the journal. This is yeah. amazing. I can stop <laughs> using my moleskin. But yeah, I, I do that. I do that till six. My kids get up and I don't touch my phone. My phone goes to bed before I do and stays in bed after I get up. So I wake up mm. at five. I don't pick up my phone until 7.15 in the morning. Wow. And then- At nighttime, I usually put my phone in its metaphorical bed in our master bathroom at Mm. 7.30 p.m. And I go to bed at 8.45. So I'm getting an eight-hour sleep opportunity every night. I love it. Yeah, I was going to ask you what time you go to bed. like And how how much of sleep did you have to kind of figure out the sleep thing? Yeah, so this took me a lot longer to learn than some of the other practices in the book. I have tried to convince myself for years that I am one of those people who can be at a hundred percent on seven or six hours of sleep. I read a recent sleep study the other day that found that you are six times more likely to win an Olympic gold medal than you are to be one of the rare people on earth who can be at a hundred percent on less than eight hours of sleep. (laughs) And that just pissed me off. I'll be honest. (laughs) Like, I'm just like, I don't want this to be true. Yeah. But I just can't dispute the science. So for years, I mean, I'm talking up until two years ago, 
I was getting six to seven, six and a half to seven hours of sleep a night. These days, both my wife and I, and I think that's really important, clock 7.45 to 8 hours and 15 minutes of sleep every night. Dang, you got it like Almost down. every night. You got it down to like a, the minutes. Oh, my Fitbit data, man. Yeah. <laughs> the quantified self. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, it's critical for us. Yeah. Yeah. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this interview. Just want to take a quick minute to remind you that we have a brand new community for all the listeners of the Dad Tired Podcast. So if you want to meet other guys near you, be held accountable, be pushed to be more like Jesus, this is a really cool app to help you do that and meet other like-minded guys. The cool part is, is it's not on social media, so there's no political talk, no ads, nothing inappropriate, no censoring, just a bunch of guys who are being real and trying to help each other be the men God's calling them to be. If you want to be part of that, we would love to have you come be part of that. You can do that by going to connect.dadtired.com. Again, that's connect dadtired.com. You can pull out your phone right now, download the app, and immediately get started on conversation. You can even talk about this episode as you dive in. There are a lot of guys already over there talking about it right now. Again, go to connect.dadtired.com. We'll see you over there. Do you practice the practice of Sabbath? I know you talked about you know yeah. friends being friends with John Mark Comer and stuff. Do you have like a an actual 24-hour day of rest built in? And what I does do. productive rest look like for you? I do. And I'll say this, man, I thought this was impossible with young kids. Like when we started this, I don't know, maybe five years ago, I was like, there's no way I can do this because listen, like taking care of my screaming one-year-old is work, right? (laughs) Uh, So there's that reality, but man, I just started trying it. And I realized unsurprisingly what scripture says, the Sabbath is a gift. I grew up thinking Sabbath was this legalistic chore, this day Mm -hmm. filled with things that I couldn't do rather than this day filled with good things I could do. And then I read Jesus's words in Mark too. And he said, he's basically agreeing that the Pharisees had turned this into this legalistic chore. And he said, Sabbath is for man. And so my family, man, Sabbath is the lifeblood of our week. It's mm. this, I love how Kevin DeYoung puts it. He's, he calls it an island of get to mm. in a sea of have to, mm. right? All week long, I'm doing the things I have to do, signing my kids' homework folder, making their lunches for the week, going to work and doing my job and doing all these things. Sabbath is this day where I just get to enjoy being a child of God yeah, and feasting on the good gifts he's already given me. And where my, as Keith and Chris and Getty say, my strivings can cease hmm. and I can just be grateful for what I already have. So yeah, man, Saturday, Saturday afternoons, we're usually prepping. We do all of our laundry for the week. We mega batch our laundry on mm. Saturdays, do it all at one time, do our dishes, get everything in the house, put away. And then we feast physically and spiritually. So physically we get crumble cookies almost every week <laughs> and just destroy a box of crumble cookies, get takeout from our favorite spots, go to bed. I wake up, spend a little bit more time in the word than I usually do. Mm. My kids wake up. It's the only day of the week that they get to watch a full length movie. So they're super psyched about that. So yeah, it's yeah. usually like tangled for the yeah. 90th time. <laughs> and yeah, dude, we do that. We go to our favorite donut shop in town on the drive there. My favorite Sabbath tradition. We just talk about what we're grateful for, for the week. Mm-hmm. We force ourselves for that 12 minute drive. It's the only thing we talk about. Mm-hmm. Just, Hey, rack your brains with all the things that you want to thank God for this week. Get donuts, breakfast, Cuban sandwiches, go home. Got plenty of time to get to church, do church. And Sunday afternoons are usually pretty low key. I'm a big believer, you know, sometimes Sabbath is as simple as a kiddie pool and a beer. So a lot of times that's what it looks like at our home. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, man, making lunches for the kids for the next day and do it My all kids again. love Sabbath. 
literally every day. Is it Sabbath? Is it Sabbath? Yes, that's what my kids do. Because <laughs> they have no construct of time. Yeah. Like, is yeah. Sabbath Sunday yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They love it. And they're just like, we, we, <laughs> we buy the little bottles of sparkling apple cider. Is that that's yeah, amazing? Yeah. And so that they get that every Sabbath dinner, and so every week or every day, you know, is it Sabbath? Is it Sabbath? I need to get your book, man. And for some reason, I didn't, you know, your publisher didn't hook it up, so I just had to like read. I know it. what's the deal? I don't know. What's man. the deal? We, we gotta, Sorry, we, I need to copy Sorry. that yellow we'll fix book. Fix this. Yeah. But everyone needs to go get a copy of the book, Redeeming Your Time, dude. I love the concept. The foundation of all of this is the gospel. And we are people of rest because we have the greatest news of all time. We don't have to work. Jesus did the work for us, man. That's Amen. Can I tell one more story that illustrates that truth? Yeah, please. Every single night before I put my girls to bed, without fail, last thing I tell them, say, hey, girls, you know, daddy loves you no matter how many bad things you did today. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. So, you know, I also love you no matter how many good things you did today. Like, yeah. Say, who, who loves you like that? And they say, Jesus. Or, or Kate, my five-year-old theological stickler says, God, the father, God, the son, <laughs> God, the Holy Spirit. But man, busy dads, ambitious dads, we have got to hear those words spoken over our lives and especially our work. The God of the universe died for you when you were his enemy, right? right? If you could believe that, you could certainly believe that he loves you regardless of how productive or unproductive you are. And as you rest in that truth, right, the gospel also becomes this paradoxical source of not just rest, but ambition, right? Mm. Because working for somebody's favor is exhausting. Mm. But when you work in response to unconditional favor, that's intoxicating. And that's the resource we have as we seek to redeem our time for his purposes in the world. Man, that is a good word, bro. And that's inspiring. I, I want every guy listening to this to buy a physical copy of your book. You know, I'm sure it's on Audible and I'm sure they can listen to it, which is great. Go do that. It's a pretty that's- crappy book on Audible. I got to be honest. <laughs> I read it. I know. Okay. Not supposed you got to gotta that, take, you gotta not take notes on this thing. I know yeah. Somebody, yeah, my, my publisher's asking you to edit this out, yeah. but no. Yeah. You got to have it in, in physical copy. And hey, you know, listen, this book's all about walking like Jesus walked. So right now, if you order the book before October 23rd, we're actually giving away a trip for you and a guest to go walk where Jesus walked. Holy we're cow. giving away this epic eight-day trip to the Holy Land for You're one kidding. lucky. No, how do they awesome. do it? How do, okay, how do they, how can they enter into that? So yeah, right, so hopefully they're get, listening to this the week before uh, yeah, it releases. Hopefully. Yeah. So Go to Amazon, wherever you buy your books. Okay. Do people buy books outside of Amazon? I don't know. I know. So go to Amazon, buy your book, and then go to jordanrainer.com, J-O-R-D-A-N-R-A-Y-N-O-R.com. Right on the homepage, you got a form right there. And you can enter when your choice of a trip to the Holy Land that you could take in the next three years. I'm giving you three years to book it because of the pandemic, obviously. If you don't want that, I'll write you a $5,000 check. Uh, Holy you get cow. Your, you get your pick. Yeah. So deadline's October 23rd. Don't wait. That's an incredible incentive. The book alone is a gift, but that's an incredible incentive, man. Can I enter? Am I allowed to like- Yes, you can. All right, so you should enter. You should enter, take your wife. And if you win, man, me and my wife will go with you. Please, dude, that'd be so much fun. Well, people are going to- Now, if I won, people would be like, oh, this was rigged the whole time. So I won't won't win, but we should still do the trip. We should still do the trip. Still do the trip, yeah. Man, this is so fun. And you mentioned that you have a podcast too. What's the podcast? Obviously, yeah, we got the, podcast listeners. Yeah, it's called The Call to Mastery. I appreciate you asking. The Call to Mastery, every week, 
I interview a Christian who is world-class at what they do across mm. a bunch of different vocations. We've had doctors, entrepreneurs, pastors, whatever, Netflix showrunners. We've had it all. Oh, wow. But we talk about the what it's taken to master their craft. It's kind of the first half of the conversation. But the second half of the conversation, the one that I really love the most, is how the gospel shapes yeah. what they do, why they do it, and how they do their work. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Jordan, you're the man. This was inspiring. Can't wait for all of our listeners to pick up a copy of your book. Hopefully somebody in our audience will win that trip to Israel. That'd be so fun. Dude, thank you in the midst of saying no to a lot of things that you said yes to this. It really is an honor. Thanks for man, for being here. Thank you, Jared. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that interview. If you want to keep the conversation going, make sure to go to Connect dot dadtired.com. Again, there are tons of guys already who are on the app right now. They're talking about this episode, past episodes, they're reading books together, they're meeting locally. It's a really great way to meet like-minded guys without having to be on social media. No more distractions, no political talk, no ads, nothing inappropriate, no censoring, just a bunch of dudes who are trying to be more like Jesus. We'd love to have you come be part of it. Again, go to connect.dadtired.com. That's connect.dadtired.com and we'll see you next week. Thank you.